I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Thursday, March 9th. It's hard to watch the ridiculousness of the Oscars and think about the show as a business, but it's actually a huge business. I just looked up the Motion Picture Academy's annual report, has to file one of those because it's a nonprofit, and it reveals that the Academy made $137 million in 2022 just from Oscar-related revenue. The vast majority of that is from the ABC television deal, about $100 million a year, plus foreign, other revenue from the Oscar season. It also had awards-related expenses of $57 million. So that's a $60 million profit in one year off one award show. Not bad. But obviously, that cash cow is threatened now by the things we talk about on the show all the time. Cord cutting, political polarization, the death of the monoculture. Only 16.6 million people watched the Oscars last year, way down from the 30 million or so it used to average, or the 57 million that watched during that Titanic year. You still can't watch the Oscars live on a streaming service. It's kind of unbelievable. That incredibly lucrative TV deal is up in 2028, and given the economics of the TV business, the license fee will almost certainly come down. The guy who has to worry about that is Bill Kramer, the Academy's CEO. He took over last year, and he inherited a 10,000 or so member group at a crossroads of sorts. The Oscars are losing relevance. The organization has been under fire for its diversity issues and being out of touch with the mainstream. And its politics often turn off half the country. Plus, the whole definition of a movie has changed. The movie industry is being questioned. On the positive side, the new Academy Museum in LA, which Kramer led before he was hired for this role, has been a success. And in a culture awash in awards and self-congratulations, the Oscars do still matter, even if they matter less than they once did. There's so much going on at the Academy, and they always seem to be at the center of some controversy. So I'm happy that Bill agreed to come on the show and talk about it all. So today, Bill Kramer, Academy CEO. All the questions I've wanted to ask. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Bill Kramer, the CEO of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Welcome. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, big week for you, as always. Uh, the, you know, we talked when you were hired for this job shortly after. And, you know, I have had my gripes with the Oscars over the years. I've also been a defender of some of the decisions that you guys have made when others were not so nice. But um, you said, I remember when we chatted, that there would be changes coming 
to the Oscars and that you have heard feedback from the membership and feedback from the media and other stakeholders, and there would be changes coming. So now we're coming up on your first show in the chair. What changes are we going to see? So year one, and we will constantly evolve. Um, but you know, you referenced we heard a lot. There were surveys after the last show. You and I had a long conversation at lunch that day about things we were hearing. You know, people are interested in the movies. They want the show to be authentic. We're the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. This is about movies, the arts of filmmaking, the filmmakers, the glamour, uh, you know, not ripping our industry apart. So this year is really a step towards bringing the show back to a position of uh, of prominence, uh, seriousness, but also very entertaining. And, and having Jimmy, Glenn, and Ricky, who are live TV experts, uh, was very intentional. We need uh, producers, directors, and a host who really understand the medium of live television, the Academy brings the movie making. We bring the stars, we bring the disciplines, we bring the awards, we bring the movies, but we really are leaning into a live television team uh, who know what they're doing. And I think you're going to love the show. Yeah. I mean, you're referring to the fact that the Academy used to just have a movie producer produce the show and then some people from TV around him. Now you've got real TV people. And Kimmel's a great host. I always felt bad for him because that 2017 show that he hosted the last time he hosted was actually a really great Oscars show. And it sort of will always be remembered now for the Moonlight La La Land mix up. But he was actually really good on that show. I agree. And I think he handled that moment beautifully. I think that's a, that's a perfect example of you have someone who's used to dealing with a live television show with a live audience. They know how to pivot. And he made, he made that unique and potentially awkward situation work. Warren, what did you do? <laughs> that was a great line. Uh, all right. So the one thing that you did that I don't agree with is uh -oh. you have brought all the categories back to the live show. Last year, they did this experiment where some of the, I don't want to say lesser, but categories of less interest were presented before the show and were spliced into the show. Now they didn't do a very good job of that because they didn't really save much time as they spliced them into the show. So it sort of was the worst of both worlds. They didn't get the live experience and they didn't save much time, but I was a little bummed that you abandoned that. I know I'm in the minority on this. I know a lot of people really want all the categories presented on the show, but I believe that if you want this show to truly evolve and truly be something that people watch as a television experience, you've got to do what the Grammys have done, other shows have done, and boot some of these categories off the show. But you disagree. I, well, I, I won't say that I totally disagree that we don't have to look at the show, right? That's sort of a separate conversation. And, and you've been uh, very vocal about the eight awards coming back on the show. And I hear you, um, you know, a couple of things as an institution, as an organization, the Academy, we have concentric circles of stakeholders and our closest group of partners are our members. And the way that was handled last year, I think caused a lot of strife within the Academy and within our membership. And that's not great. And we didn't save time on the show. Now, I appreciate the experiment. A lot of this I look at as R&D. Um, it didn't save time and it upset our members. So 
in the way that it was done, I don't think we should do that again. Well, luckily for you, nobody will remember that from last year's show. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. Um, we'll talk about but, that. But but I think, Matt, you know, we have an amazing partner in Disney ABC. Uh, we have a domestic deal, an international deal, our Dolby Theater deal, as everybody knows. Everything now ends in 2028. And between now and then, we will be looking at the show in a variety of ways. We want to evolve the show and to actually change our, our sort of metric of success the sort of relying on night of linear TV ratings is a thing of the past. So we have to look at who's watching live that night on Hulu plus on YouTube TV, but also plus three and plus seven on Hulu SVOD. We have a deal with TikTok this year. They're going to be streaming a lot of the speeches live. You know, we need to look at all of these engagement points and then think about that as we think about the future of the show. All right. So you just brought up a bunch of different topics and I want to get into them all because yeah, I, I was hoping just to get them all out of the way quickly. Right. The, the primary, the primary business of the Academy is as a licensor of television rights to the Oscars. And you make a lot of money every year on this television deal. It runs through 2028. As you mentioned, you've now lined up the venue. The Dolby theater runs through 2028 Last time the Academy redid its television deal, it did it four years in advance of it expiring. And we are now almost four years in advance of it expiring. Are you talking to ABC about what the broadcast deal is going to look like for the Oscars going forward? Um, so a couple of things. I anticipate those conversations happening soon. Um, you know, it's not something that you just do 12 months before your contract expires. Disney ABC are amazing partners for us. And we're evolving with them in some of the ways I just mentioned on Hulu, you know, with the TikTok deal, you know, some of our international markets will see Disney Plus live, uh, even though well, we that's have a the lot whole thing. In this, in this country, you cannot watch the Oscars on streaming live. Hulu Plus Live, you can. Right, but that's a traditional cable right. replicate. I, I you cannot go to Hulu and watch it live like you can you know, dancing with the stars on Disney plus. That's right. And, and look, I don't want to speak for our partners at Disney ABC, but I think we both know this will all be evolving. This is a television show and it can be distributed in a variety of ways now. Um, so we're absolutely going to be starting those conversations with Disney, but you know what they're not going to want to do. They're probably not going to want to pay a hundred million dollars a year to air the show. Do you anticipate those rights going down? I, I, you know, it, it's way too early to tell. I think um, so. A couple of things you, know, you mentioned our our budget, and you know, yes, we we bring in a lot of fantastic revenue from the show, and all of these numbers are public. So I'll speak about them in kind of broad broad mm -hmm. ways. We're, we're, number one, we're a nonprofit organization, right? Nonprofits are always looking at how to diversify their base of support. The pandemic has shown us that nonprofits that don't do that get hurt and get hurt quickly. We're lucky that on an operating budget of about 180 million, and that includes the museum, 
about 120 comes from the show. Um, about 40 comes from the museum. That's ticket sales, the gala, museum members, corporate partners. We have this new diversified revenue stream. Yes, we have new expenses with the museum, but now we have this incredible group of people who are opting in to supporting us that we didn't have a year and a half ago, two years ago. And the museum has been a success. I got to say, there were a lot of doubters about that. And you still have this debt to pay off from the construction, but people are showing up. People are showing up. No, thanks for saying that. We're so proud of the museum and um, I, I, we continue to see great response to it. It hasn't, the buzz of the opening has not died down. You know, a few weekends ago, we had a big summit around regeneration, our history of black cinema exhibition, almost 10,000 people coming through that weekend, a weekend full of Oscars activities coming up. You know, did you do anything about the Jewish thing? Did you add the Jewish moguls to the museum? There was such yeah. an outcry because the when the museum opened, a lot of the founders of Hollywood who were all Jewish yeah. were excluded. And what have you done to rectify that? So we have an exhibition, Hollywood Land, that's opening in a couple of months. You, you've heard about this. Mm -hmm. This was long planned, but now we're making it permanent. And that tells the story of the founding of the studio system. So it works on many levels, but obviously the Jewish founders will be in there. A new exhibition that just opened, I don't know if you've seen it yet, on Casablanca, talks about emigres and you know their connection to both the film and Hollywood. So you're seeing this pop up in different places, but in a couple of months when Hollywood Land opens, this is going to be a permanent exhibition that, you know, I think people are coming to the museum and saying, I want to learn about the studio system, right? It's it's for many reasons, we need something that feels a little more permanent about that. So that's on its way. Um, and it's looking great. We've seen some early uh, or recent designs and really excited about that. Um, but, but going back to the budget for a second, yes, we're going to be talking to Disney, ABC, now we have a, a much more diversified stream of support because the museum's done well. Um, and so we're going to be looking at all of that as we think about our future. But the balance between our overall budget and the percentage covered by the show and not by the show is becoming much more calibrated. Our, so having that diversified support will help us. All right. So let's talk about last year and this year. And yep. You know, Janet Yang, your counterpart, she's the president of the Academy. She actually apologized at the nominee's lunch and said that the slap and how it was handled was not great and that you guys had vowed to do better. What is this crisis team that you guys have now? I mean, that got a lot of attention. Uh, is, is it really like a squad sitting backstage monitoring to see if anybody acts untoward towards a, pre a presenter? What Janet was referencing, and that connects to the, I'm doing air quotes, crisis team, um, is much more about the Academy as an organization is responsible for the show, how we respond, how we treat our guests. So we needed to respond, I think, in a much more compassionate, fast way that night and right after that evening. Compassionate? They should have got. They should have gotten him off the stage, out of the audience, into the wings. Deal with it there. Do not have it play out there. Then decide if he gets to come up and accept his award. I, I think that could have helped. I, I'm not going to armchair quarterback. I was well. Not if you were CEO, CEO that time, when that when it happened, what would you have done? 
But but look, what I what I care about now is what we're doing now. If something happens on site, we are now mobilized in a way we haven't been before. So a group of us backstage, 30 seconds after it happens, we're empowered to make decisions and we go. And the producers are in on this, our PR team, comms team, security, operations, you know, I don't really think that existed in this way before. So the whole notion of a crisis team, again, air quotes, it's really about the organization being prepared to react and to react smartly and swiftly. And that's what Janet was really referring to. And it's something we learned as an institution. We have to own our part in what happened last year. Well, in five years now, there have been two once-in-a-lifetime crises that happened on stage. You couldn't get worse than the wrong best picture being announced, but then it did get worse. You had someone throw a punch on stage. So it makes perfect sense that you would have this. It can't be the situation that we had last year, which was nobody made a decision. Literally, they were standing around letting it play out. And it came down to like Will Smith's publicist going up to him and saying like, hey, do you want to like maybe leave? And oh, you don't want to leave? Oh, okay. Well, then just sit there and that's okay. Well, I mean, you, 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 you said it. We have to make a decision and we have to act quickly. Um, it's a live television show uh, and we have to be able to pivot and do something in real time. And now we're set up to make those decisions. You know, what the past several years have taught us is you can run a lot of scenarios. You don't, you don't really know what's going to happen. I think seven years ago, if we were running scenarios, I don't know if we would have had these two on the list. So um, we've got a good team in place, Matt. And okay. You know, not knock wood, we don't have to activate anything. All right, so let's talk about this season because I think you guys had some great positives in the fact that you have popular movies. I don't want to use that word popular. I know it's a loaded word when it comes to the Academy after the whole popular Oscar debacle, but there are big movies in contention this year. And I think the ratings are going to be up. I think Top Gun does a Huge, huge benefit for you guys, having been nominated in so many categories. Avatar, Everything Everywhere, Elvis. These are movies people have actually seen, and they're not embarrassing. You didn't have to compromise to get those movies in there. And there are others like Tar and Fablemans that are more traditional Oscar-type movies. I want to talk a little bit about the campaign season, because this Andrea Riseborough campaign piqued my interest. And she did something, her team did something that was somewhat unique. They did not do the traditional campaign, as you know. They went, quote, rogue and did a grassroots campaign where they started emailing and calling members and getting people to post on social media, so much so that when she was nominated, you guys decided to investigate the campaign. Where are you in that investigation? What can you tell us? So every year after the show, we revisit two things, theatrical eligibility and campaign regulations. What you just referred to is inspiring us to look at those regulations, I think, in a much more rigorous way. I don't know if you've read them recently. I have. I've read them several times, and they are extremely vague and somewhat contradictory in places. I want to address that, and our board wants to address that. I do not disagree. Um, their, in, their intention is there, um, but... 
I want them written in such a way that a lay person who has a brand new film, first film, never promoted a film before can read this and understand what's okay and what's not okay. And you guys didn't punish anyone. You let it go on through the season. So to the point where I had people coming to me saying, I guess there's no rules this season. We'll just have as many parties. We'll contact as many people as we want. Like, that's not what you want either. No, I absolutely agree. And our intention was not to just let things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know that, you know, you you brought up a few things in the past and I don't want to go into specifics here, but the clarity needed in these regulations is so apparent to us. Sometimes things that seem not right are technically not not allowed under the regulations as written, and that's for us to address. We need to get out of the business of subjectively policing things because then you're making a lot of subjective decisions. That's not equitable, and we need to level the playing field. So I'm hoping that next year at this time, you and I won't be having this conversation, (laughs) and it will be much more clear what's okay and what's not okay. If Andrea Riseborough wins... (laughs) There will be a gasp like nobody has ever heard. (laughs) The gasp around the world. I know. I don't think it'll happen, but uh, because weirdly, she and her manager and and her friends have gone silent during the second phase of the campaign after this stuff kind of blew up. Um, Are you going to let her manager, Jason Weinberg, or the filmmaker Michael Morris attend the show? You know, they're not members of the Academy, so Mm -hmm. that's TBD right now. Well, but typically the manager for a best actress contender would go to the show. If he tried to go, are you going to let Jason go? Yeah, that's not something we can speak about on this show right oh, now. Okay. Well, I guess I will, I will look around and see if I see him with her at the show. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the issues facing the Oscars, the, this you know question of relevance to a younger audience. I mean, Craig, my producer here is 28 years old. He watches the Oscars for this show, but I'm betting Craig's friends do not watch the Oscars. And you mentioned a TikTok partnership. Other than that, that seems to be the default that everyone does these days to say we're young, we're hip, we're cool. What are you guys doing to make this show relevant to young people? Well, I think looking at the evolution of the show in a variety of ways is what we're constantly doing and will continue to do but how? with ABC Disney. But I'm, I'm, I'm leading into that right now, but I'm okay. giving the context. You know, you can't snap your fingers and make the show something that it's not. And we want to be very careful to remain authentic. So I, I, I think, look, when we opened the museum, we thought the same thing. No young person is going to come to this museum. Half of our visitors are under the age of 40, which is surprising to all of us. And we're thrilled. Um, this is something we're going to be constantly assessing. I think the evolution of the show will have to take that into consideration. Young people do watch the show. And I do think these partnerships, we have a great new partnership with Letterboxd, you know, 8 million viewers, members around the world, you know, almost 70% are under the age of 34. They're engaging with us on social. They're going to be watching the show. You know, there's a cohort of film lovers around the world, young film lovers who love this stuff. But I think we're constantly going to be thinking about that. And I do think the TikTok partnership, the Letterboxd partnership, these are extensions 
of the brand and the content that will help us. Now, will that translate into a young person watching a three and a half hour show? You know, too early to say, but again, it's about really thinking about our metric of success. You know, if they're engaging with us in different ways, can we monetize that in some way? You know my ideas, and I know that's the narrative now that everyone says it's not just about linear TV ratings, it's about our overall engagement number. Like, we, I know that, but you still want people to watch the show. Uh, Absolutely. My, and I've Absolutely. written about this in my newsletter, but uh, and we've talked about this. My ideas are you guys need to have a lottery and let the studios play 60 seconds, two minutes of exclusive footage of an upcoming movie on the show. And that's the only place you can see it. <laughs> and it would be a political nightmare amongst the studios, but they would do it if you gave them two minutes to show exclusive footage from Guardians of the Galaxy or from Oppenheimer or some movie that's coming out this summer, everyone would do it and everyone would watch just to see that. I'm laughing because we're having those discussions and you're going to see components of that this year. Right. I agree I agree with you. And, and I love what you're saying, Matt, because A, it has to be equitable, right? We have to invite everyone to the table to do that. But then it becomes more like the Super Bowl of this industry. You're celebrating the past year, but you're seeing content that's coming up. You're getting people excited about present year films. I think you need all of that. So it doesn't feel like you're looking in the rearview mirror. And it helps the studios and hopefully theatrical. We want all of that. Yeah, it should be for fans. I mean, there's no point. Like, you look at how nuts people go off of the littlest trailer bit online. And like, that could be part of the industry's biggest night. Yep. I agree. I agree. And I love that idea. My other idea, which you will never, ever do <laughs> is to count down the best picture nominees, meaning with the 10th most votes is women talking and then oh, everyone man. claps. And then throughout the show, it gets built up to, by the end, there are only two contenders left. They all stand American Idol style. And then one wins and comes up to the stage. Everything's on the table. Well, but you would have to, you know, in the some early days of the Academy, they revealed the hierarchy, who got the most votes, who got the second, third, fourth. Oh, I know. I know. And you could go back to that. That would add a little bit more drama. Yeah. Might be some hurt feelings, though. That's right. Um, That's right. All right. So we're going to do a little lightning round of questions here okay. for you. Uh, feel free to answer quickly or say pass, but try to answer quickly. Got it. You can eradicate one other award show. Which one do you eliminate? Love them all. Ah, uh, stop. I know it's the Golden Globes. You don't have to answer. All right. <laughs> Who will present Best Actress this year? You will see The Night Of. It's good. Is it Tom Cruise? You will see The Night Of. It's good. All right. Best Food Item at the Governor's Ball. Oh, gosh. Anything by Chef Eric from Wolfgang Puck is fantastic, but he's making some amazing desserts this year. That's the wrong answer. The right answer is the sushi bar. At the sushi bar. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get to take back one best picture Oscar. What film's Oscar do you take back? Oh, man. The, the, the head of the Academy will never answer that question. It, it could be something from the 40s. There was a bad run there in the 40s and 50s. I, this is this is how I'll flip that. It, you know, Letterbox asked me a similar question, but sort of inverted. What film was left out in recent memory? That's and my nicer. answer was Us and Lupita's performance. Two things that went unnoticed that I thought were spectacular. 
Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, my the biggest travesty is Social Network not winning Best Picture. Oh uh, yeah, I, you know I watched that film at least twice a year, and I don't know if you saw on our social pages on Instagram. You know, we, we do this kind of scrolling script page, and we did the opening scene with Rooney Mara, and just to watch the scene and follow the script is it's so thrilling. Uh, the correct answer for the Oscar to take back is the artist. <laughs> you're not, not going to get that out of me look no, no. i'm gonna let you answer the questions this is easy <laughs> uh, maybe these are questions more directed at me but all right um the Zack snyder bot incident could that ever happen again or never again i don't think that could happen again i think people I mean, are it, it was bots though right that last year you asked for people to vote on their favorite movie and it turned out it was Zack snyder across the board you know, I I think that fan favorite, you're talking about the fan yep. favorite award. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not doing that again, at least no time soon. Mm -hmm. And I do think we learned that that sort of um, you know, you know, kind of promotional tool is not always within our control. Okay. Uh, have you ever set foot inside one of the mall stores at Hollywood and Highland? Of course. You have. People don't realize the Oscars take place at a mall. <laughs> I get hungry sometimes. We're there all the time. <laughs> a guy's, uh, guy's got to eat. All right. And where is your seat? I will be on the floor this year. What does that mean? The orchestra. I will be oh. there. So if something goes wrong, there will be forever that shot of the crowd and your face looking like something's going horribly wrong. I, I'm working on my poker face and I am working on my quick exit backstage. There is a, that famous shot of the crowd during the envelope mix-up has Cheryl Boone Isaacs, the former president of the Academy in it. And the look on her face is like pure <laughs> shock and uh, just kind of confusion and also anger. And also like, how do I get out of here the quickest way possible? <laughs> so there, there, there's a lot going on in that photo. I, yes. I, for some reason, I remember Michelle Williams expression is very vibrant. It is. In that photo. Yes. It's very good. Yeah. There's a lot of, you're right. There's a lot of stuff going on. It's a great photo. All right. Anything else? What do you, what, give me your, give me your 10 second pitch for why people who do not watch the Oscars normally should watch this year. We are the only show that completely celebrates holistically all of the arts, movie makers, scientists, technologists of movie making. You will see all arms of movie making on this show. And we've got some big films this year. Top Gun, Avatar, films that people love are in the running. It's really exciting. Don't forget Rihanna. And we've got Rihanna. We've got some amazing performances. <laughs> David Byrne. And we've got Rihanna. That's right. Rihanna. Yeah, just say the stars. I mean, it, honestly, like the billboard should just be, will Top Gun win Best Picture? And come watch Rihanna. Like that's what- I'm here, Rihanna. Out. Exactly. What we, um, we're excited about this year. Jimmy's been great. The show's looking great. Fantastic lineup of presenters. Um, you got to come. All right. That's the pitch. Thank you very much, Bill Kramer, CEO of the Academy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Matt. This was fun. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, are you excited for Scream Six? Um, not particularly. Are you a, are you a fan of the Scream franchise? No, I've seen the original. Yeah, I thought it was too. all right. I don't love horror. Yeah, I am not on board with this. I uh, that's fine. It's not for me. Yeah, uh, it does very well. They rushed this one a year after Scream Five. And it's they're going to benefit from the Jenna Ortega, the Wednesday right bump, now. yeah. 
Yeah, the Wednesday bump. The tracking for Scream 6 is about $37 million for the opening weekend as we are speaking. Yeah, that's pretty good for a movie that is not expected to cost about, it costs about $25 million. Yeah, to, to beat your budget in one weekend is quite the feat. Yeah, my prediction though, I actually think that this will not get to the tracking. I think Scream 6 will probably be hurt a little by the success of Creed 3. Last weekend, I didn't think they were anticipating that movie being so big. So I'm going to take the under. Despite the Jenna Ortega train, I'm going to take the under on Scream 6. I will take the over on every single horror film until it fails. Yeah, that's pretty high, though, that number. I don't know. At least we're not betting on 65. Are you aware of this movie, the Adam Driver dinosaur movie, 65? I was barely aware. Maybe some (laughs) subliminal advertising. It stuck in my brain, but I had to be reminded what that movie was. That exists. It's coming out this weekend. Oof. Projected to open in the single digits for a dinosaur movie starring Adam Driver. What are you taking on that? Let's do a double prediction. I, I don't know. I mean, single digits could be one, could be nine. I got to think a dinosaur movie will crack 10 million, right? <laughs> you think? Although the budget's only 45 million. Yeah, they're, bu- oh my God, the budget, a $45 million budgeted dinosaur movie. That it's got to look super cheap. That is like, that is like a third of a Nancy Myers movie. <laughs> it's the Chardonnay budget for a Nancy Myers movie. It is the interior design budget of a Nancy <laughs> Myers movie, and they have dinosaurs cruising around. I don't know. I think I, I feel bad for Adam Driver. I, he must he must have like kids going to private schools now. Like, what's he doing? I mean, listen, in, in a vacuum, this sounds good. When you read the log line, it's like a guy, a, an astronaut crash lands on an island and there's dinosaurs or on a, on a planet and there's dinosaurs. That in theory sounds good. Does it though? I don't know. And when you hear $45 million budget, to me, it's like, oh, okay. This is land of the lost. Yeah. All right, well, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Bill Kramer. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck, and I want to thank you. We will see you next week. 